Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Katie. And this is the Nerdbook Review. This is our first actual real live book review. Yay! I mean, we're not quite to like studio audience level yet, but maybe someday. Maybe someday. I mean, if you saw our how I've set this office up as a sound studio, there's lots of sheets and blankets. So, and it still doesn't sound very good. So we have some work to do. Clearly, pros. Our dog keeps trying to burrow in through one of the blankets, and I'm afraid it's going to take this whole precarious structure <laughs> down. If you listened to our intro episode, you will know that we are a married couple with an adorable toddler named Bran and a terrible dog named Pepper. So, let's go ahead and get to the purpose of the podcast tonight, The Prince of Thorns by Mark Lawrence. This book is the first in a trilogy. There is also a second trilogy called the Red Queen series that is set in this world as well. And Cameron read this years ago. I I actually don't know how long ago. I think it was probably about five years ago. I'm pretty sure we were dating at the time. I think I bought actually bought the first book the first time on in paperback, so I was definitely not using Kindle yet. So he was basically harassing me every time I'd finish a book. Oh, you should read this. You should read this. And I finally started. Months ago. Like, months ago, I read the first few pages on Kindle, and I just really wasn't getting into it. And a couple weeks ago, I tried again, and I still... It took me a while to get into it. And this is a series that, after... I I think when I read the first two books, the third one wasn't out yet, and none of the three in the Red Queen uh, trilogy were out. But for the last several years these have been pre-order books for me. Like, I don't, I've got a a few series where I pay full price immediately and want the books the day that they come out. And this was one of those series. And I was just really, I could not figure out why that was the case. Like, she was having trouble getting into them. And I just thought, this is a series she's going to love. And I've been harassing her for years now to read the series. So we decided that this would be our first book to review, that I needed to reread it as well. And she was going to finally finish it for the So, real quick, I'd like to give us a brief synopsis. And which I had never, he didn't explain the books to me at all. I didn't read a synopsis. I went to this completely blind. Yeah, and so that's definitely something that... uh, I would not recommend that. Would not recommend, yeah. This, uh, if you're going to read this series, and it's a series that definitely isn't going to play to everybody. You're not going to have a nice, neat hero, and you're not going to have a nice, neat, the hero kills the villain, and everyone ends up with the princess happily ever after, I'm guessing. Alright, so this is the description of the book from Goodreads, and then we will give you one of our own. Before the thorns taught me their sharp lessons and blood weakness for me, I had but one brother, and I loved him well. Those days are gone, and what is left of them lies in my mother's tomb. Now I have many brothers, quick with knife and sword, and as evil as you please. We ride this broken empire and loot its corpse. They say these are violent times, the end of days when dead men roam and monsters haunt the night. All that's true enough, but there's something worse out there, in the dark, much worse. From being a privileged royal child raised by a loving mother, Yorg Ancraft has become the Prince of Thorns, a charming, immoral boy leading a grim band of outlaws in a series of raids and atrocities. The world is in chaos. Violence is rife. Nightmares everywhere. Yorg has the ability to master the living and the dead, but there is still one thing that puts a chill on him. 
Returning to his father's castle, Yorg must confront horrors from his childhood and carve himself a future with all hands turned against him. Mark Lawrence's debut novel tells a tale of blood and treachery, magic and brotherhood, and paints a compelling and brutal and sometimes beautiful picture of an exceptional boy on his journey towards manhood and the throne. Yeah, so that was, that was a long one. Yeah, it's quite the, <laughs> uh, the long synopsis. So I would definitely call it a an accurate synopsis, but probably not one that's going to quite as accurately tell you what's going to happen as maybe the one that we will give you. So here I will give you a, little, a shorter version. This is a book about an anti-hero locked in a power struggle with forces known and unknown to take over a split empire by any means necessary. He doesn't care who or how many people get hurt. Through flashbacks, the book takes us from York's life as a child to his present as a young teenager, raping and murdering his way through the lands around his father's kingdom. The books are set in a post-apocalyptic Europe, a little over a thousand years after the Day of a Thousand Suns. The setting is basically medieval, with relics from the past as well as magic. This is the first novel in a trilogy which all three of the books have been released. I think that one thing that first and foremost we need to talk about is this book is rated R. There is literally no way that you would want a young child reading this book. But anyone over, probably, I guess it depends on how adult you consider yourself, but probably an older teenager into uh, more of a college student would be yeah. probably the early uh, demographic for who should be reading this book. Mm -hmm. So now that I have given my synopsis as well as the book cover synopsis, what do you think, Katie? Well, the book is... There's one character in this book. It is Yorg. It is about Yorg. It will tease you. It'll let you think that maybe some of the other characters, such as the new but or uh, a knight Macon, is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Yeah. Okay, uh, might actually become like fully three dimensional characters, but it never follows through. And I mean, at the end of each chapter, they do have small paragraphs that give you a small teaser about each of the brothers in the band. They don't really have a lot to do with anything. They're never tied into the characters. It just, it seems like a real sad attempt at actually making them really stand out. There's definitely, the Nubin and Macon are the closest people that will actually be fleshed to being fleshed out, but it's definitely the York show. You're, there's no question about that. There's a few other people whose point of view York will think through. That's mm -hmm. definitely through York's viewpoint and lens always. There's going to be a sorcerer who will be who will play a fairly prominent role in the first book, but it's always like I said, always through his. And he's only really in it like twice. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess the first thing that we need to talk about, as I said, that this is definitely rated R. Yorg is only what, thirteen when 13, yeah thirteen fourteen when the series starts. Um, he's ten when he runs away in the first place, and starts his life as a bandit. So we definitely know that he is a vicious child. And he's leading this band, which that's something that's not a spoiler. He's From the very beginning, it's obvious that he's the leader of the band, and even though he's only 13 years old. So he's clearly a vicious, vicious human being already at that point. And he has absolutely zero issue with any atrocities that his men are going to create. And it's maybe not seen as much, but told that he has taken part in these atrocities, at least in the past. 
I think that Jorg is, he's definitely a genius. I think he's a sociopath. I don't. I really, I mean, he went through a traumatic event, and then he was sick for an extended period of time. I don't even remember how long it was, months, like 10 months. He was, you know, sick in bed. I don't even know if he was aware for most of that time. Yeah, probably not. And he didn't have any family, anyone that loved him around to help him out. Nobody, his dad didn't visit him when he was not feeling well. They didn't know if he was going to live. No, that's true. So it seems more to me like kind of PTSD. And he makes frequent remarks. Like whenever he feels something, he's like, oh, no. Feeling you can't bad. have that. Yeah. yeah. Like he's purposefully doing it. <laughs> so even if he's not a sociopath, if, even if it's PTSD, his actions definitely... Oh, yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. But... Yeah. Yeah. So... One thing with Yorg is he is single-minded in his attempt to take over the Empire. I guess that's what his goal is, um, definitely to become king, but and he's going to use any means necessary. There are people who are behind the, the Game of Thrones. I, that's a terrible phrase to use, I understand. I think they used it in the book, though. They did. Okay, so we're right, yeah. there. It's definitely the hundred. That's the... I guess, I don't know if there's a hundred people. Yeah, it's like a, I think it's a hundred... Kingdoms? Um, lines of people that are, could be heir. Okay. Is what it sounded like. So, yeah. It was so only those bloodlines. I got you. So they're broken down. And since Yorg, the Ancrafts are one of those lines. And I think they say his dad is one of the maybe three or four people who have a, had a chance at some point of really maybe uniting people. So they're fairly influential. So anyways, there's people who are actually behind the people, it seems like, and maybe they're trying to move things in a certain way. But Yorg himself, like, he is definitely, he's trying not to be played by them. And if he is being played, then it's his goal to make sure that he's not going to continue to be played by them. And he's, his uh, one method is murder. That is his, the method that he uses <laughs> to solve any and all issues that arise. It's, oh, I might... I might have feelings for this person. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to kill them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, feelings are weaknesses, and weaknesses can't be allowed. Let's talk a little bit about the world that they inhabit, because that's something that I know is important to me when I'm reading a series. And I felt very strongly about in this one. So what, what did you feel about it, then? I love a good post-apocalyptic story. I mean, a dark beer and a solid dystopian future novel... And I'm happy. That's a, that's a great night for me. I did not get that satisfaction from this. I didn't, I didn't get a good feel for the world. I didn't get a good feel for any sort of culture, any sort of architecture of the buildings even. I just, I couldn't really picture things. I kind of put it in, you know, medieval style, but it's in the future. And so it's not going to be, I mean, they can't even make steel. They don't even know, they don't have a word for concrete. But yeah, it's somehow it lost, but then he's reading Nietzsche. It doesn't make sense to me. There's no thread that tells me why certain book, like, why basic science books don't exist, but philosophy books exist. It's just not really addressed in any way. There's, so far, I mean, this is only the first book, there's no explanation as to why everything seems to have been lost. I'm supposed to believe that asphalt roads or something still exist. I think that's kind of what they were getting at in the beginning. Well, yeah, I think that the, the way it's talked is that they definitely were farther in the future than the current times. The technology level mm -hmm. was 
definitely at least a little past what we currently have. Yeah, but then in this future, everything has been lost. I'm supposed to not know anything about how this world looks. The buildings aren't going to look the same as our medieval if they can't even make, because they call it builder steel. Yeah, and builder stone. Yeah, Yeah. so it's different than whatever they're doing, but it doesn't explain what are their weapons like, Mm -hmm. what makes them different. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, that's something I guess I didn't think about as much. Because I kind of just imagined them as being military facilities shortly above our, in in our future. But they do say that it's somewhere like 1,100 years in the future mm-hmm. after the day of a thousand suns. So I'm guessing a nuclear holocaust. This isn't a big spoiler or anything because it's something that's talked about pretty quickly in the book. I just imagine medieval technology with a little bit of the other stuff standing around. And I guess it didn't... You're, you're right. Um, yeah, there's a knight in armor yeah. and chainmail. Well, they have a turny, so... Yeah, so it's like the, a lot of the culture and stuff is the same, but they don't know what concrete is. Yeah, no, you're right. Although, but here's something, though, like my nerd historian thing, is that the Romans had concrete, and we didn't discover concrete again until the 1800s. So, I mean, they literally... But did they have... A bun- did we have a bunch of other Roman books that we were going through? Uh, you know, I don't actually know the answer to that, to be honest with you. I mean, one of the first things we see, yeah, and that's right. why it's him reading some philosophy book or something. Yeah. And he talks about, like, reading The Art of War, I think. Yeah, yeah definitely he talks about that. Well, the church definitely had, they're the repository for most knowledge that we currently have. But one would have thought that somewhere the knowledge for concrete should have been. And I mean, that's just knowledge. my example, because yeah. I keep calling it Builder. Stone, stone. because yeah. they're obviously in a concrete yeah. underground. Yeah, in a bunker. Well, and I think the the tall castle, I imagine kind of being actual like stone mortar almost, like an actual old castle because it's in Europe. But they said it was mostly underground. Yeah, so, so. I, I definitely just imagined it as sitting on a mountain mm-hmm. that had been built in Europe. They call it the tall castle, but most of it's underground. Yeah, well, I guess what I pictured was that was maybe that they built on top of actual ruins or maybe not ruins even but they built what they needed because it it's, mm-hmm. talks about having walls and a portcullis and things like that i'm sure yeah. that and even then it could have been something that this long in the future that kind of got buried a little bit yeah and they built a little bit on top of it but then there's like asphalt roads still existing i mean i just don't get it i don't get a feel for the world i can't picture these things in my mind yeah see i think that one thing that i imagine more like concrete walls or roads mm-hmm. i think this is where the having the history degree in me and being really interested in Roman history mm-hmm. is that the Roman highways that they built, the concrete mm-hmm. highways, actually some of them existed until we until modern times. Mm-hmm. So I think that I'm more picturing what happened to the world after the fall of Rome. I think that I'm merging those in my yeah. mind. And that's maybe that's where a big difference of where our opinions of these things differ. Mm-hmm. Because you're thinking, like, I can't believe technology would last that long. And I'm thinking... Well, there was certain things from Rome, though. Basically the same kind well, of things he's that, talking about. It's that if if this tall castle was really, you know, somehow buried partially, mm-hmm. then why wasn't the road also? Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I but think I, I also just don't feel like it was descriptive enough for me yeah. to get a picture. Okay. Yeah, I could totally understand that. And I think that... Well, and I read... when I The first time I read this, I read the, the, the first two books in a row. Mm-hmm. So... That probably played a big role in maybe in some of my opinions because I remember the first time I bought this was when the second book came out. I'm pretty certain that's when I started reading the series, when the second book came out. 
And since it was the first one, Kindle does a lot of time for the first book is a dollar ninety nine in the series. Oh, yeah. just and so just to get it. you into it. And then I paid for the second one. One thing we haven't said about this, but this book I believe is about three hundred and eighty ish pages yeah, it's long. It's pretty short. Yeah, it's very short. And it still took me a while to get into it. Yeah. And I do prefer to read things on a Kindle. I have horrible eyesight and I love having the backlight and all that stuff. So when we went back and read it, it took me a good quarter about, I was going to say, I think it was like 23% or so is when the chapter ends that where I start really getting into the book. So I can see that being an issue. And even then, for me, it was maybe 38% that I started getting into it and I wasn't moved to turn pages until two thirds or so into it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely something that I guess I didn't realize was the case until I came back and reread it. Because the first time I I probably read them one and then the next. And so they were more like a normal book to me at that point. Mm Because most things I read are, you know, seven to nine hundred pages. Or we just get the the anthology of all of them together and you don't even realize that you're in different books. I know. I think this a series that we just got done reading, the books were, they were a mid-length, about 500 pages a piece. But we just bought the trilogy together, so it was. Fine. And then it had another short story at the end. Too, yeah. So, so yeah. So it was basically seventeen hundred pages or sixteen hundred pages that they were all in one book. So it was kind of hard to to tell, you know. So short book, and I think that you know, going on to the second and third books, if you choose to do so, definitely tell you the things that you're saying that you didn't get. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe if these were the normal nerd books that we read that you'd like it better, you know, if Mm -hmm. if books one and two were together and they were just one book. Yeah, well, I think the issue is, that's part of why I had a hard time getting into it, is I expect some of that at the beginning. Yeah, I understand that. And so, I I mean, I got into the book in the end. I did. When it it got a little bit more into, you know, the powers behind the shadow players, and it got a little bit more into the magic of the world and tying it into the past. And I really like that. So I, I'm definitely willing to give the next book a shot. But if I don't get into it in the first 100 pages, I'm probably not going to finish it. And I yep. mean, that's the thing is I, I kind of expect that in the beginning of the first book. And so I just don't know how much time they would put into it in the second one. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying that Yeah. usually that's a world building, you know, it's a little bit earlier. Yeah. And yeah, I can see what you're saying that especially if you aren't imagining it the way I am as civilization after a fall of Rome type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm building that kind of a world where maybe if that's not your background, that's not what you're going to to think. Mm -hmm. So I can see where that can be an issue in this series. (laughs) It's kind of funny though. I feel like we haven't given the most glowing review of this book, but I still love the series as a whole. Like, and I think it's it's kind of a funny thing where maybe the, just this book on its own isn't a great standalone book. Well, I think it says it's a first novel, isn't it? Yeah, it is his first novel. So, I mean, especially for that, and then being his first trilogy, if it you know really improves. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing too that is hard, maybe at first, is that because there's no real hero. I mean. Your main character, who is a hero only on the fact that he's the smartest, most ruthless, cunning person in the game, it's hard to to, to like the characters maybe sometimes. It's not like you are rooting for York to win, maybe. I guess he's damaged, so there's that, but... I mean, after some of the things he does in this book, you're like, well... Yeah. Maybe somebody should kill you and yeah. everyone would be better off. Like maybe the world <laughs> would be better off if you weren't succeeding because you have done some despicable things on a large scale. 
However, I mean, it does still, even after all that, you're still kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I can, I can read him doing things. I yeah. can, I can vaguely hope that he gets out okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's a testament to the story too. I'm not saying, I mean, the story, I feel like it's really building into something. Yeah. And that's why I'm willing to give the next book a shot. Yeah. And it is building into something. Like I said, I think the biggest part of it is, is that this is only 380 pages. Yeah. And right now, in, in but normal... But it felt like so many more. <laughs> and to me, it didn't. I, I definitely still read it, I mean, in just a, about three days, you know, with, yeah. with doing other stuff. It probably took me three days to get through the first 25 pages. Yeah. So, and obviously I was only reading a little bit at a time, but... This is our first podcast episode that we're talking about books and reviews, so I think we're going to rate it on a five-star system. That lets us have a three, so say, as an average. I, I just kind of like that. I would rate this a three and a half, and I think that I'm giving it a three and a half because I've read the whole series, and I really do think this is building towards something. So I'm probably hedging it a little higher than I should be after having gone back and reread it. Because I definitely had the whole proverbial rose-tinted lenses, you know, as I thought about this book from having read all six of the books in the series now. So I'm going to go ahead and give that that three and a half. I'm usually pretty generous anyway with my reviews. If I love a book, it's going to get a five-star review. No matter how good it necessarily is, if I love it, it's, you know, five stars to me. I'd give this one three stars, and it's because it really picked up in the end. Had I known anything about the book ahead of time, anything at all, I might have gotten up to a three and a half. There's a recent book that Cameron had me read, and I wouldn't have gotten into it in the beginning, but he had already explained a lot of the plot to me and what was going on in the world because it just kind of threw you into it and that's kind of what this one does too um it just it was missing a lot of elements for me and while the last third of the book was far more enjoyable it took a lot of work to get to that like a lot of work so i mean i'm willing to give the next one a shot but it's still a three-star for this yeah as i said i really do feel that we've kind of been a little bit vicious on this book for our review but i love the series still and well, what would you rate the series? The, I'm giving the series a five. Like I said, there are three series that I pre-buy, pay full price, whatever that happens to be, that I want to have that downloaded and be reading the night of the first time it comes out. And this series is one of those three. So this is your Outlander. Yes. Which is that for me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, she loved her Outlander series. And that's one that I only hey, it's read. it's still going. Yeah, it's still going. So, And this one, I think, might end up continuing on with a a different set of characters for the other trilogy. So this is the first of the first trilogy. And then there's a second trilogy, which I don't know if you could read it completely on its own, but it's almost at that level where it's it's mm -hmm. self-contained. It's the same world. It's a different cast of characters, although they do meet at some point. But it's it's funnier. It's definitely not the quite the dark yeah. series that this one is. So that's the Red Queen trilogy. And I mean, I don't know, maybe even reading that, if I had you read that one, maybe you would, you know, think totally differently. Because I think they about follow the same time period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the series, but I have to admit, I went back and reread this book and I was like, ah, I understand why Katie's having trouble getting into it. I really thought that at first that she just didn't want to like the book and I was like, I don't understand how, how come you're not getting into this. Maybe we're just too busy. We, I mean, we have a very busy life at this point with a two-year-old and, you know, work full-time and you change jobs, I think, not too long before you started trying to read this mm -hmm. book the first time. So, I just thought maybe there was a lot of things. But it's really just, I need an end goal if I'm going to get through all that murder and rape. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, I mean, it's not like graphic. No, it's not. Anything. Okay, it's, sorry. 
Yeah. So I mean, we say there's if there's not like graphic rape. He's just like, oh yeah. That yeah. He's like, oh they they took the farm girl off or the farm yeah, kid. It's not know. like Game of Thrones. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what are we gonna do next? Um, next time we are reviewing The Name of the Wind. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we've, we've both read it before. Yes, We're going to go ahead and just, you know, reread it so that we, it's fresh in our minds, kind of like Cameron did for this one, and go ahead and give that one a review next time. And I do apologize that there will be an awful lot of these early ones where at least I've read them, because as I said, I am the person that will just read everything. I try to read about a book a week. If you're trying to do that, and you've been doing that for a good solid 10 to 12 years, you're going to have read an awful lot of what is considered good. So there's just, sorry, it's just going to be a lot of them we're going to say, I went back and reread this. I think maybe that in some cases, some people aren't going to like that. And other people might be like, oh, well, he's gone back and he had his opinions. And I can tell you what I thought from a past. And I can tell you what I thought when I reread them. Well, and a lot of it, too, is you recommending books to me yeah. that I haven't read. That's a lot of our life, honestly. Yeah, that is true. Because as uh, our first episode, we talked a little bit more about it, but I'm definitely a nerd. And I have been for years and years, basically most of my life. I had to hide it and repress it at one point in my life, but once I was an adult, I definitely went full-on nerd. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's bad. So I guess just... There was a time in my life where I hid my geekdom. Yeah. <laughs> where my friends that would come over after school, I would go in my mom's room and try to watch Sailor Moon after class after school <laughs> because he would make fun of me. Yeah. So going back just real quick on how did it make you feel? I was confused and it kind of, it did leave me wanting to know more about the world and about the story. And... It made me feel like I was happy that I've read the whole series already because <laughs> I I probably still have read the whole series, but I feel like this definitely was a first book. It was it's it's professional quality. Like yeah, it, it, it wasn't is. released on Kindle and then just you know like a lot of books are these days. This was definitely a he had a publishing deal. It was and edited. Edited. It was... It's it's well written. It's not, there's not going to be, you know, things that are going to bother you with, he's definitely a professional author. This is no Twilight. No, yeah, no <laughs> Twilight. Would you recommend it to other people, just based on this book alone? On this one, no. Yeah. And I, I think I would, because it took her quite a while to get into it, but I, I, like I said, I was at 23%. I wrote that in my notes when I started to really get into the book. So I would recommend it to other people. We, like I said, we gave it, she's given it a three star, me a three and a half. And then one last thing I think that is important with this book is the main audience is definitely adults. Probably adult men is what my guess would be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the scene that I had the best picture in my mind for, because I'm usually really good at doing that, the one that I had the best picture in my mind was when he was reading a book off of a naked lady's ass. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. Definitely you should not have your... Uh, children read this series. There's going to be some that we're going to review that are going to be like that, and there's going to be some that definitely are going to be family friends. I mean, going back to if you're out there right now and you have a budding nerd of a teenage kid, um, Robert Jordan and his Wheel of Time series, which is what really got me hooked as far as in my teen years, that's a series that you could be 13 years old and... His Dark Materials, something like that. Yeah, and you can read them. This. Yes, this is not that. And then if you're actually listening to this podcast and you have you think we're crazy and we're real stupid and you have a completely different opinion, 
or you have a suggestion for something for us to read, maybe you love it and all your friends hate it, and you just need some kind of vindication, go ahead and email us and let us know. It is nerdbookreview at gmail.com. Because as I have said multiple times now, I will read anything. So if you have a book that you want us to review, then absolutely feel free to. And if you don't like this podcast and you just want to torture him for being alive, send him the worst book in the genre that you've ever read. (laughs) Yeah. and He'll read it. Yeah, and this is our first attempt at podcasting. I have literally no background. Katie at least has some background in marketing, doing some things, sound editing and things like that. So where you at least have a little bit of an idea. I mean, not like you have any expertise. Being a, doing voice acting for a technical training is a little bit different. Everything is scripted and I can re-record every single line if I need to. Yeah, that's true. But if you're out there and you listen to this podcast even once and you think this is a pretty mediocre podcast, but maybe they have potential, feel free to email us with any sort of suggestions on how we can improve or what we should do as well. Once again, nerdbookreview at gmail.com. Yes, (laughs) nerdbookreview at gmail.com. And our website is nerdbookreview.com. All right, our next book that we're going to be reading is The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. This book is his debut novel. It is about 722 pages long, so it's quite a bit longer than Prince of Thorns. And it is definitely going to be much more youth-friendly than Prince of Thorns as well. We'll go ahead and have Katie read the excerpt on the back of the book. I have stolen princesses back from sleeping Barrow Kings. I have burned down the town of Trebon? 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 I always say like Tribon. Sure. Go to town. All right. I burned down the town of Tribon. I have spent the night with Valurian and left with both my sanity and my life. I was expelled from the university at a younger age than most people are allowed in. I tread paths by moonlight that others fear to speak of during the day. I have talked to gods, loved women, and written songs that make the minstrels weep. You may have heard of me. So begins a tale unequaled in fantasy literature, the story of a hero told in his own voice. It is a tale of sorrow, a tale of survival, a tale of one man's search for meaning in his universe, and how that search, and the indomitable will that drove it, gave birth to a legend. He's big time. Ah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. Well, our goal is to have a podcast every two weeks, so that you'll have time, and we will have time, to read the books. So, two weeks from now, The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Thank you all. Have a good week. Are we ready to actually start? Sure. Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Kate. And this... That's not my name. (laughs) That's not my name at all. (laughs) Holy shit.